0: I'm telling you, my heart is full this morning. Uh, My boys have been asking to be baptized for a few years now, and we've been reluctant to just because of their youthfulness. But just like Jenny said, the kingdom is open to children, and you actually have to enter the kingdom with childlike faith. And just for us to see their love for the Lord and baptizing this morning is is meaningful to me. Thanks for sharing in my joy. And to share in the earth's joy, and we're going to baptize six more people next hour and to share in their joy. And now we're going to turn to the book of Revelation, a series that I've really enjoyed. I'm thankful for Pastor Jay preaching a few weeks ago in Revelation 5 and a friend of ours, Dr. Matthewson, to come in last week to cover a couple chapters. And we're going to continue to look at this book that, to be reminded, it's a blessing to us. Like when we open up the book of Revelation, I want you to be reminded that we open up blessing. This is where we began. Let me just remind us of this frame. So when we began Revelation, we we looked at the very beginning of it, where the purpose of the book is for the churches that are experiencing hardship, experiencing the persecution of life. But it was written to them, chapter 1, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written, for the time is near. So there's a blessing in the book for the believers who have ears to hear what God has written. And what Jesus has unfolded here is is the truest reality of what God's up to. What's the reality of heaven? What's the reality of God's activity in the church's life? What's the reality of God's activity to bring the kingdom to earth? And it's for their encouragement. It's so that they would be able to endure the hardships, the persecutions, the challenges of life it's for their endurance to the end and the church over the centuries has had this question that the saints were asking in chapter 6 that matthewson looked at how long oh lord remember this chapter 6 verse 10 that they cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? These are Christians who have been put to death. And they were asking the sovereign Lord, who's in control? They see the ultimate reality of what's really going on in the world. And they say, how long, sovereign Lord? How long to the one that's in control of all of these things? until you, it really says vindicate our blood. Vengeance isn't so much like punish those people and, and do harm to them, but would you vindicate that what we said was true? Would you vindicate our witness so that the world would know that what we said about you and your coming and your kingdom is true? We weren't lying. How long? And, and we today join that question. Do we not? How long? Long until you right the wrongs, until you bring justice. See, justice is a key ingredient for human flourishment. In the absence of justice, humanity suffers. See, human beings flourish in times of peace and securities when they have access to stable resources for food and water and shelter. But in the world that we live in, and it's very apparent in this last week, several months with two wars happening at the top of our attention, there are those that are disruptors of that, that are destroyers of that. And our heart longs for justice. What we long for is judgment to come, so that evil would be restrained and ultimately removed at our best we can restrain evil in our world that's that's our hope is that we have law enforcement we have soldiers we have militaries because in the world real evil exists and we saw that about a week ago when evil came into israel and started putting to death babies and children and women and men Young and old and is kidnapping people. This is real evil. And then we see this the destruction in which is gonna happen in God's. We say, Man, Lord, how long? How long until you answer our prayer? We've been praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it's happening in heaven. And Revelation gave us a picture of what's happening in heaven this incredible worship service, celebration, party of who God is and his son filled with the spirit. How long until that reality that looks so good becomes earth's reality? And we said the the book of Revelation is to describe how that prayer gets answered. How does thy will get done on earth as it's being done in heaven? And the answer is, It's rather turbulent. In this war of kingdoms, not equals, but of kingdoms, it will not be a peaceful transition of power. And we started seeing in chapter 6 the unfolding of God's sovereign work to bring about peace and judgment and tranquility on the earth Not simply to restrain evil, but to remove it altogether. Not only to remove it from the earth and commerce and community, but to remove it even from within ourselves. There are things in my own life, I don't know if this is true for you, but it's true for me, there are things in my own life that if I do not restrain them, harm will come to me. And harm to other people. And and at my best, I'm asking, Holy Spirit, God, would you restrain the evil that lives in my own heart? But more than that, you know what my hope is? Is to have a day come that that's all just removed. And I'm not fighting these desires of, I do, I do the things that I don't want to do, and then I don't do the things I want to do. Who can free me? Like, remove all of this. That's the coming of Jesus' reign. And in the chapters that we're going to look at today, eight and nine, it continues of answering that question, how long? How will you bring about thy will in heaven to earth? And so if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Revelation chapter 8. These chapters are intense. Similar to 6 and 7, it's almost unbelievable. In fact, chapter 8 opens with this seventh seal that Jesus opens, and it says that there's silence in heaven. It's like you just see some of this carnage that's come to a quarter of the earth in his judgments, and you can't even say anything. Silence in the Old Testament with the prophets was often followed, or often followed God's judgments. Look at the prophet Amos. his even his judgments on Israel. And then there was silence. And so the seventh seal that's opened actually reveals the next seven trumpets within this seal. And it opens from silence. Chapter 8, verse 1, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. It's this momentary pause of just looking at what God's judgment has done on the earth. Verse 2, John says, Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. Trumpets in the Old Testament are pronouncements of judgments; They're warnings. And so they would blast trumpets as God's judgment, God's activity going into battle. You can think of many stories of, of Sinai and the trumpets at Sinai. You can think of the trumpets of of Jericho, marching around Jericho seven times with trumpets and then blasting trumpets. Trumpets declare are a warning of God's coming judgment. So here we have seven trumpets, the warning of his judgments. And another angel came and stood at the altar with the golden censer. That's this bowl, in which is burning incense. We were introduced to this incense that was being burned in the throne room back in chapter six. And in chapter six, what we see is that the incense that's burning in this censer, this bowl, is actually the prayers of the saints. This beautiful picture in heaven, in the throne room of worship that's going on, the aroma of heaven. Do you know what the aroma of heaven is in God's throne room? Your prayers. That's how it's pictured, is your prayers are in the throne room of heaven, and it just smells of your prayers. It's a beautiful picture of of how God knows your prayers. He's well acquainted with your anguishes, your needs, your griefs, your sorrows, your longings for righteousness. And so here is this golden bowl, And they take this golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. And then verse 5 is the most amazing thing. Then the angel took the censer, that bull, and filled it with fire. And fire is judgment, God's presence, his, his righteousness. He, he fills the, the bowl that contains your prayers with his judgment. And from the altar, and he threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. All of those are characteristics of God's judgment, of God's presence, and so what you see is that you have the prayers of the saint, how long, God, do something, restrain evil, bring righteousness, heal the wounds, do you see me here? And it's just filling God's throne room, all of our cries. An angel goes and gets the prayers of the saints, And he brings them before the Lord, and he puts his judgments in it. And they take this bowl of your prayers, and he throws it to the earth. It's the answering of your prayers. It's the answering of of the earth's prayers. Lord, how long? When will you bring justice? And he says, I'm doing it right now. And so they fulfill the prayers of the saints with his judgments, and they throw it to the earth. This is God answering all of our cries. And then these trumpets begin to blast. There's four in the beginning, and then two, and then our seventh. We'll look at them kind of in a little bit of brevity this morning, but verse 6, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets, remember this is the warning of judgments, prepared to blow them. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood. And these were thrown upon the earth, and a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. So I want you to put some of these pictures in your mind. Remember we said we're going to interpret Revelation based on an Old Testament reservoir of imagery, of stories that God has already given his people. That's how we interpret the book. And so just in your mind, think of hail. Where where have you seen hail, maybe? Where have you seen fire? Maybe blood? Okay, we're going to continue. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is wormwood, which was a bitter root. It was actually poisonous and deadly, and now it's put into water, this root. A third of the waters became wormwood, bitter, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet and a third of the sun was struck and a third of the moon and a third of the stars so that a third of their light might not be or might be darkened and a third of the day might be kept from shining and likewise a third of the night. Then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead. Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Okay, so you have these four angels that are trumpet judgment warnings to the earth. It's answering the prayers of the saints. How long until you bring your judgment? And we all are craving judgments. We're all craving justice. We all want evil not simply restrained in our life, the things that actively seek to destroy harmony, to ruin community, to put division between people. We all want that. Not only restrained, but removed ultimately. This is why we have law enforcement in our communities. We, we want law enforcement to help restrain evil, harm, destruction. But our ultimate hope isn't simply to have it restrained, but to have it removed and so here's this picture of God's activity. Remember, these are judgment warnings. Of, of You have plagues now coming in. We'll see in the next two trumpets. So hail, fire, blood. You have mountains and seas and creatures in the seas. Let's read two more. Verse, or Chapter 9, verse 1. And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star falling from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. The word there is abyss. Jesus, when he encountered demonic Beings, Remember, he he was going to liberate them from this man. And they begged with him, do not throw us into what? The abyss, which is the location in which evil is restrained. Their work is finished. He said, don't throw us into the abyss. Throw us to the pigs. Remember this story? And Jesus said, okay, I won't throw you to the abyss. I won't lock you up so that you can't have any influence. I will permit you to continue to have influence. And so they ran into the pigs. And what did they immediately do? The pigs rushed off the cliff and died. That's what demonic beings do. They're death, destruction. And so they just do that by their nature. And so here, though, is that abyss, that bottomless pit that even terrified the demons. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. You can just sense the evil coming out, like Mordor, you know? And here God is going to expose all evil that he might judge all evil. He's going to expose all evil to finally remove all evil. Verse four, they were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who have not the seal of God on their foreheads. So remember back in, in chapter 6 and 7, Dr. Matthewson was talking about how God's people were sealed. This is the mark of the Lamb. This is if you belong to Jesus, if you press Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are marked by the Lamb. And here saying all those who are not marked by the Lamb are going to be affected by these demonic activities But they were told not to harm those that had the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment them for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. that's That's the condition of humanity at this point, is there's so much destruction happening, so much hardship happening, that they long to die. It's almost this mental anguish. I want to die, but it's just going to continue to escape them. This mention of five months is, is probably a reference to the life cycle of the locust. Locusts last a couple months and usually come out in May and maybe last till September. It's to show that their time is fixed and yet short, but it's still destructive. And then it goes into the, all of these descriptions. And this is where a lot of people enter Revelation and it can get very colorful so let's just read a couple of these things and let me just debunk a couple verse seven in appearance the locusts were like horses prepared for battle on their heads were what looked like crowns of gold their faces were like human faces probably speaking of their intelligence like they're rational intelligent beings their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth I have no idea what the lion's hair means or the, the woman's hair but the lion's teeth are probably it's aggressiveness and it's, its desire to devour you they had breastplates to protect their organs, right? Like, like the breastplates of iron, and the noise of their wings were like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. So breastplates of iron, and, and it sounds like many chariots. Some people come to this text, and are like, see, this is the prediction of Apache helicopters. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Probably not. And probably not for many reasons. Like, maybe you have the face, maybe you have the breastplate, but you have the women's hair. It just doesn't quite make sense. And all of that, even if that's true, it's, it's not the point. The point is what? They're demonic. They're from the abyss. These are demonic figures wanting to cause harm. Verse 11, they have a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in his Greek he is called Apollyon which means destroyer. See, unlike normal locusts, they have a king over them. And their king tells them what to do and where to go and how to inflict harm and how to inflict more pain. Because they're demonic. This king is probably Satan himself. Now, some of you are going, oh, okay, and this is where, like, the Bible just gets so bizarre. Like, you want me to believe in these demonic figures? So they have a king, and the king is this guy, Satan, who's the devil. Like, there's no way a rational, modern person can embrace that. Like, how can I believe in a devil that I cannot see? And if that's your question, that's a really good question. A fifth grader asked me that question this summer. We were at Kids Week, and we were talking about evil and the evil kingdoms. We talked about the devil, and this fifth grader said, hold on, the devil's for real? I said, the devil's real. And he asked, if the devil's real, why can't I see him? That's a good question. How would you answer that to a fifth grader? (laughs) Think about that. Maybe even how would you answer it for yourself? I took him to a biblical illustration, which I think is helpful. It says, you know about the wind, but can you see it? I said, do you believe in the wind? Oh, yes, absolutely. How do you know it's windy outside? Well, I can feel it. Okay. You can can hear it. But what if you're inside? You might be able to hear it, but you can see it coming through the trees. Do you actually see the wind ever? No. What you see is the wind's activity animating the world around you. You feel the wind. You can hear it blowing through the alleyway, rustling the trees. You can see it moving objects in your world. What the Bible would say is when you see death and destruction, deception and lies, that's the animated work of the devil. So the devil is a murderer and a liar from the beginning, Jesus says. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his activity. And so when you feel that against you, when you hear that, when you see that animated in the world, you're seeing the devil's activity. Now, this is not to say there's a devil behind every bush. Remember, there's three, there three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm, a, I'm my own worst enemy. Like Sometimes the devil doesn't even need to do anything in me. He's like, Thomas, good luck. But there is a real enemy, an adversary, who hates God and hates the people of God, who's a murderer, a liar, a deceiver. Here, he's called the destroyer. And like the wind, you can observe his movements as it animates the world around us. There's real evil. You have to know that there's real evil. And for many Westerners, we just reduce and say, there's no real evil. We can, we can leave evil behind through enlightenment. And then you have Hamas come in. And you say, whoa, I, I see real evil. I see real acts of evil. And this is, this is a picture of what needs to be removed, destroyed. Not people, But the evil one, they have a king, and it says, verse 12, The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great rivers Euphrates. Now, that means nothing to us as a boundary line. Ours would be like the Rio Grande, the border. Here, this is the border of the Roman Empire. So this is where a lot of first century readers of Revelation say this applied specifically to the Roman Empire. And think about all the earthquakes and natural disasters that were prolific in the first century. Gives evidence that this is written first and foremost to Rome in its oppressive empire against God's people. And is written to every empire since that oppresses the people of God and brings destruction and war to the earth. Verse seventeen, sorry, verse sixteen. The number of mounted troops was twice ten thousand times 10,000 That's two hundred million. And this I saw. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision and those who rode on them. They wore breastplates. The color of fire and sapphire and the sulfur and the heads and the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouth. You can just see evil. And these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and smoke and sulfur coming out of their mouths for the power of the horses is in their mouth and in their tails for their tails are like serpents with heads and by means of them, they wound. These are just bizarre creatures. And you're gonna ask me, what are they? And I just have to tell you, I don't know. I know these are demonic, the demonic activity of the adversaries of God that are wrecking havoc in the world. Now, we're going to read one more section, and then we're going to bring this all together, okay? Verse 20, the inhabitants of the earth who are feeling the effects of God's trumpet judgments, his warnings. Look what it says in verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by the plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk or talk, nor did they repent of their murderers or their sorceries or their sexual morality or their thefts they still hate God. They still have a hard heart. Okay, let's sew this thing together. How much time do we have? There's no clock in the back. Someone tell me what time it is. 54? Oh my gosh. All right. Three minutes plus two equals five. All right. When you look at Revelation 8 and 9, and we're going to see this again in the bowl. So there's kind of these three sequences of sevens. You have the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls, and we'll talk about all three of those later. But in the three of those, what you see is a progression of intensity. Remember last week, this affected a quarter of the earth, a quarter of the earth, a quarter of mankind. And then what we see today is a third of the earth, a third of mankind. And we'll see in the bowls, all the earth and all of mankind. And so what you see is that God is pouring out his judgments, and they are growing in intensity. Remember Jesus said, in the end of the age... There will be wars and rumors of wars, conflicts, plagues, famines, all of this. He predicted it all. And he said it's going to be like birth pangs that start small and infrequent, and they grow in frequency and intensity And so what you see is the frequency and intensity growing as the day of the Lord draws near. It's not the end, it's the beginning of the end, Jesus says. Now, in this description, John is painting this amazing picture of God pouring out his judgments that are announcements for repentance. The goal is to have people turn to him. Now, what two stories in the Old Testament perked your ears, when you start thinking of mountain and seas and creatures and hail and fire and plagues and locusts, what would you think of? Raise your hand if you said Exodus, Egypt, right on! 5,000 religious points for you. <laughs> How many of you guys said maybe creation? Did anybody say creation? Alright, 15,000 points for you, Bob. So there's kind of two stories that we'll see specifically in the bowls later on. But what you see is is an exodus story, so to speak, in which God pours out 10 plagues on Egypt, remember? And that's to show Pharaoh who God is and then to free his people from captivity and bring them to a place of promise. And in these plagues that are poured out in Egypt, some affect both Israel and Egypt. There are some also that affect only Egypt. Remember, this is like the, the locusts, the hail, the darkness over the land. That was all in Israel, not in Goshen. They were just, they were completely safe. though so they were marked off. God said, I'm going to make a distinction between my people. There are some places in which there was just a warning. There was, there was hail that came only on Egypt. And then there was a warning. If you want to save your livestock, bring them into your barns. And many Egy- Egyptians listened to God and said, I will heed his warnings. And they brought their livestock into the barns and they were safe. Those who did not listen to God, their livestock died. And then there was a final plague that went out, which was the death of the firstborn, that would affect everyone, unless what? You had been marked by the blood of the Lamb. And those who trusted the provision of grace and marked their homes by the blood of the Lamb, death passed over them. That's what Passover is. And so here again, you have, a, you have a description of God in his trumpet judgments that look like kind of Exodus plagues, in which he's giving to a third of the earth in a similar fashion to call them to repentance so that he can free his people from slavery, of death and sin, and bring them to a place of promise. That's what's going on here. But the people of the earth are like Pharaoh. What happened to Pharaoh's heart? He was hardened. Every time a plague came in, it's like he almost wanted to give in, but he didn't. And then he hardened his own heart, and he hardened his own heart until finally his heart was hard against God. And this is what happens to people, is they only see God's judgment, and they never see his grace. The revision of his grace is Jesus Christ. He's our only hope in life and death. That Jesus Christ came and took the judgment of God that was due to us on the cross at Calvary that all that hope in Jesus Christ, these judgments don't fall on you. You've been marked by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Jesus Christ. You have nothing to fear of God's judgments, for it fell on Jesus on your behalf. But it's a hard heart that keeps people from receiving God's provision of grace in his son, Jesus Christ. May it not be so for us. And so our prayer is, Lord, would you give us soft hearts, all of us. If there's anyone in the room that does not know Christ, give give a soft heart to you to receive Jesus. Now you might say, man, it's been 2,000 years since this is written. Why so long? Peter addresses that. Do not think that his length of time is a delay. No, his length of time is his patience. Peter tells us the length of time in which God has waited to fulfill these things is his patience, not wanting anyone to perish, he says, but all to come to repentance, to turn their life over to Jesus Christ, that all might be saved. The reason he's waiting is because he's waiting for a few people in this room to accept Jesus Christ. The reason he's waiting is he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you. For those who have not received him. What are you waiting for? He's waiting for you. What holds you back from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ? And experiencing the grace of Jesus Christ. The love of the Father through Jesus Christ. Come into your life. So that you would know. None of these judgments are for you. They all fell on Jesus Christ. And you are in Christ. Marked. By the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews points to the people of God and says, okay, with these things in our mind, we don't want our hearts to become hard. This is Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, that's today, that's today, you hear his voice, I love you. Come to me. Ask for forgiveness. No matter what you've done, I will forgive you. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. As in the rebellion, speaking back to the Exodus story. On that day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. In fact, he encourages the community of believers, a few verses later, verse 12, take care, brothers and sisters lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God but exhort one another every day as long as it's called today means encourage them that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence from baptism from profession of faith firm to the end. Remember, this whole thing was written to churches, remember? written to the churches for their endurance of faith to the end. So with this in your minds today, okay, just this in your minds, I'll ask you two questions. Knowing where your prayers are this morning, the aroma of the throne room, how might that change the way you pray this week? Knowing that your prayers will be answered, how will that change the way you pray this week? And then knowing these things about God, there's three things to know about God. That God is the sovereign Lord who determines the time of judgment. He determines the scope of judgment. He determines the end of judgment, for he is the sovereign Lord. But in all those things, God's judgments until the end, until the end, are intended for us as warnings that would cause us to repent. And so in light of that, how might you have the endurance of faith knowing the sovereign God is in control? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Revelation, a book that we often neglect because of its imagery. We pray that today we be reminded that you are the sovereign God who is actively working in our world to draw the hearts of men and women to yourself before you remove all evil. And so, Lord, may we come to you and profess faith in Jesus Christ to have the sin and evil in our own life dealt with, that we might be forgiven, that we might be called beloved, Father, I just pray that your spirit would be on every single person in this room, every woman, every man, young and old, and that they would hear your voice in their life, calling you, calling them to yourself. Father, we give you thanks that Jesus Christ has made it possible for us to go through the grave to eternal life. It's in his name we pray. Amen.